Yeah, so we deliver the uh, CDC's National Diabetes Prevention Program through telehealth and live group video conferencing on Zoom with registered dietitians. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you run an innovative healthcare organization, maybe you're a tech company, a SaaS company, maybe you're just an innovative service provider, um, and you are looking for a way to align your service offering with your target market, check out the Healthcare Positioning Alignment Workshop. It is something we are running from now until the end of the year. Basically what we do is we help you identify your most valuable target market. We help you develop an effective value proposition for that uh, stakeholder. Basically by narrowing down the quest, the quote, value to whom, unquote, you have a clear understanding and idea of how your tech, your device, or your service is positioned to solve the problems faced by those specific healthcare stakeholders that you're targeting. So you can learn more about that at positioning.rehabupracticesolutions.com. Uh, if you have questions, there's plenty of buttons and links there to book a call with me, or you can shoot an email to info at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com uh, to learn more about that, how much it costs, all of that. It is all on the website there. You can go find that. Again, the, the link for that is positioning.RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. Alrighty, this week we are going to continue our delve into some innovative healthcare service delivery options here. And what we're gonna actually talk about is using telehealth for diabetes prevention, not diabetes management, diabetes prevention. So um, my guess, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and talk about him a little bit, and uh, and then we'll we'll dive into to my thoughts and then the interview itself. So Lawrence Gerard is the, he's the CEO, he's the founder of Fruit Street Health Clinic. Um, and what they do is they deliver the CDC's uh, di uh, diabetes prevention program via telehealth. So one of the things that uh, Lawrence noticed in his schooling was that a lot of the people that present or that show up into emergency departments across the country are, are there because of or in reference to maybe ancillary symptoms or secondary symptoms stemming from chronic conditions like diabetes. And part of the problem in managing that or, pre or, or preventing that is that there's a lack of sometimes a availability of the prevention programs, you know, like, are you going to get somebody that lives in rural Georgia, for example, to drive two hours into their the metro area once a week or twice a week or whatever to do a diabetes prevention program 
even if you know that that diabetes prevention program is going to prevent, it's a prevention program that prevents, right? It's going to prevent in the long run, all these negative side effects or outcomes that happen when a person develops diabetes, you know, um, maybe it's, uh, medication, increased medical usage, hopefully not, but sometimes, you know, kidney disease, a dialysis and uh, amputations and the like. If there was a way to deliver those services to cut off or prevent that chronic conditioning from from happening in the first place, obviously the, the logic goes you can prevent all of those negative downstream effects. So Fruit Street delivers the CDC's a diabetes prevention program via telehealth, which increases access. Now, he talks a little bit about the strategy that they've taken um, and how they're going uh, directly to employers and the like, uh, basically because some of this is not covered by insurance yet. Hopefully that that is something that will change over time. Um, but some of the statistics that he threw out were, were very eye-opening to me. And I mean, obviously we know that Americans in general here in the U.S. are not the healthiest people in the world, right? A lot of us are overweight. A lot of us are at risk for diabetes and some of these chronic conditions. I think he says somewhere in there that like one in three people that are pre-diabetic end up getting diabetes, um, which is one of those like, man, if you could find a way to cut that in half, you'd save tons and tons of money. So anyways, it was an interesting conversation talking about using telehealth uh, as a way to expand access to prevention programs that can hopefully save payers and patients and even providers a lot of time, energy, and money. So without further ado, here is Lawrence Gerard talking about uh, delivering diabetes prevention programs via telehealth and group conferencing. Well, hey, Lawrence, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Uh, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to talking with you about Fruit Street and uh, diabetes prevention and managing through all that, you know, remotely. But before we dive into, you know, remote uh, diabetes prevention, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? What brought you to what you're doing at Fruit Street? And we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah, well, um, I was planning to go to medical school when I was in college. And I had this experience where I was volunteering in an emergency room while taking a nutrition epidemiology course with a Harvard School of Public Health professor. And I saw um, a very obese man come in and, and die uh, from a heart attack that appeared to be related to his obesity. And I just realized at that point that a lot of um, the patients coming into the emergency room had preventable conditions related to their diet and lifestyle. So they had heart disease, stroke, diabetes, obesity, amputations, dialysis, and I just realized that we could do a lot more in our healthcare system to uh, prevent lifestyle-related disease, which ultimately led to the um, birth of Fruit Street as a as a summer project at the Harvard Innovation Lab uh, many years ago. So, yeah, and what yeah. what does Fruit Street do? Yeah, so we deliver the uh, CDC's National Diabetes Prevention Program through telehealth and live group video conferencing on Zoom with registered dietitians. The uh, program is designed to prevent the one in three Americans with prediabetes from progressing to develop type two diabetes. Uh, prediabetes just means that you have elevated blood glucose and you have a high risk yeah. of um, developing type two diabetes. And the problem is that 
one in three Americans are pre-diabetic, but eight out of 10 people with pre-diabetes don't know that they have it. So we oh, first have to sense. raise, yeah, so we have to raise awareness of pre-diabetes and then enroll people into this, this program, um, which is based on a Medicare-funded clinical trial they did about 20 years ago, where they had 3,000 patients with pre-diabetes, and they compared uh, metformin, the drug, to a placebo, to a lifestyle modification program that consisted of 22 classes with a lifestyle coach covering topics like diet, exercise, sleep, and stress management. And what they found was that the um, lifestyle program was more effective than metformin in preventing type 2 diabetes. The uh, lifestyle group had a 58% risk reduction. And in patients over 60, they reduced their risk by 71%. So that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine and led to Medicare and Medicaid paying for the program as well as employers and health plans. And then the uh, CDC developed a national public health program where there's now 1,600 organizations delivering this evidence-based program. Most of them are in person at churches and hospitals and YMCAs. Yeah. We do it online through telehealth and live video chat with dietitians. The patients also get a scale and a Fitbit, and they can take pictures of their food in our mobile app. So it's basically a, a telehealth approach to a proven intervention. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I'm going to pull this back a little bit because some of those statistics you threw out were um, pretty shocking. So three, you said one in three Americans are pre-diabetic or at risk, right? Right. What percentage of those people um, end up developing type two diabetes? Is it the vast majority? Because like you said, you know, eight out of 10 don't know that they are, they're even on the risk factor or like I'm assuming this is a, a pretty significant problem. Yeah, well, by some estimates, it could be up to 70% of people with prediabetes could develop type 2 diabetes at some point oh, in their lifetime. Much. And um, I mean, these trends are getting worse, right? I mean, I saw the other day an article that said the US obesity rate is now at 44%. We could be at one in two Americans being you know, obese very soon. Um, so it is a big problem. I mean, you don't really know when you're going to progress from prediabetes to type 2 necessarily which is why it's important to take it to take it seriously. Um, you can check if you're pre-diabetic by going on fruitstreet.com and taking the CDC's one-minute risk quiz where it will ask you some questions. But in order to truly find out if you're pre-diabetic, you would do uh, a hemoglobin A1C test or fasting okay. glucose test. If you had an A1C between 5.7 and 6.4, you're considered pre-diabetic as an example, but the best way to know is by taking that, that blood test. Yeah, holy smokes. So obviously... You know, once you cross into the world of, of having type two diabetes, then you're you're at risk for all kinds of other health issues, right? You know, wounds that don't heal and amputation, all those things that you said. So in the past, and I guess um, even now, it seems like the majority of this has been uh, managed like in person at churches, at clinics. Like how effective has that been? And then comparing that to maybe the virtual format, have y'all noticed any difference in success rates? Is there some kind of improved access? How, how's that been working? Yeah, I mean, there have been some studies done comparing um, in-person programs to live classes showing that they're equally effective. So I think that's been you know, established. Um, I think the big approach with, or the big benefit of telemedicine is that you make it accessible nationally, regardless of where someone lives. There's many parts of, the U.S. where there is not an in-person yeah. CDC-recognized diabetes prevention program. And the idea that someone's going to drive 30 minutes, 60 minutes, two hours to get to the local CDC-recognized diabetes prevention program is not 
realistic. Even if you live in a in a city, going to the hospital, paying for parking, it's just why would you want to do that when you could just talk to a dietitian and a group of other people from the free mobile app or from your your computer. Um, it just makes it more convenient. And the more convenient you make a lifestyle intervention, the more likely yeah. it is that someone is going to participate. Like if I if I do marketing to you and I say, hey, you can you know click here and sign up now and do it from your home whenever you want versus you have to come to the hospital at 1 p.m. on Wednesdays and drive and pay for parking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that's going to change ask. how many people sign up, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest difference. And then obviously you get some added benefit from the fact that you can have patients step on the wireless scale every day. So we're monitoring their weight. They're taking pictures of, of their food in the app. And so we're seeing exactly what they're eating, giving them feedback, you have the Fitbit. So it just keeps them yeah. a bit more engaged. Is all that well. data kind of coming through this the Fruit Street app? Like, is, is the information from their Fitbit bouncing over and they're able to review it and all of that? Yeah, it's integrated through APIs. And the dietitian can also log in and see a list of their, their, their participants and click on a participant to see how many steps did they take that day? What was their weight? What did they eat that day? Um, how many physical activity minutes did they log that week? And it's all uploading in real time. So in between these weekly live sessions, the dietitian can give feedback um, yeah. as well to the participant on their diet and things like that. Awesome. Cool so, deal. Well, yeah. um, the whole, so it's been managed in person for a long time. We just talked about that. Now we're moving to virtual. So shifting the program into a virtual format seems like it may have come with some challenges. Were there any obstacles that you faced kind of getting the program deployed virtually? Like how did y'all overcome it? Or has it been, you know, have patients really, really kind of just moved into wanting to do it at their convenience online, all of that? Yeah, I think there's different categories of challenges. One of them is reimbursement. So right oh, yeah. now, Medicare only pays for the in-person version of the National Diabetes Prevention Program. They are temporarily paying for the virtual model for providers that were previously an in-person program. Exactly. So Fruit Street's exactly. still not included, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but um, that's just because of the public health emergency. So right now, Medicare really doesn't pay for virtual across the board. There is a piece of legislation called the Prevent Diabetes Act that if that was passed, would have Medicare pay for virtual diabetes prevention programs, which is really necessary to make it accessible to people. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that you would force, you know, a 71-year-old, uh, you know, person in Chicago in the snow to drive to a, you know, diabetes prevention program instead of letting them safely do it from their home is just, it doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Um, so you have the reimbursement piece, but we've navigated that by selling to self-insured employers and health plans who can pay for kind of whatever they, they want um, in the commercial space. And also Medicaid pays for the program in some states. So we're pursuing Medicaid as well. And then there's just operational challenges. We're doing this at a pretty large scale. We've enrolled yeah. more than 45,000 people. So the scheduling oh, is nice. actually challenging. Um, so we built this software system where like the participants could sign up and say, do they want a weekend or a weekday class? Do they want morning, afternoon, or evening sessions? And then automatically matches them to a dietitian and schedules the classes for the entire year. But if you do the math on, you know, 45,000 yeah. people multiplied by 26 sessions, you're talking about, I believe that would be millions of calendar appointments who would have had to manually create if we didn't build the scheduling automation. So that was an interesting challenge we had to overcome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming like do, when someone logs in or, or signs up, does it like 
do y'all work kind of cohort based? Like, okay, we've got 10 people and they're going to, you know, all go through the the sequential 20 something visits or how, have you, how are y'all managing that piece of it? Yeah, they are cohorts. So they go through the 12 month program with the same dietitian and the same group of 30 people. So if they select Sunday classes at 2 PM starting on September 3rd, they would meet on Sundays at that time, 26 times in a year. It's weekly in the beginning for the first 12 weeks, then bi-weekly. And then the idea is to get them to 5% weight loss by month six and then have monthly classes. Okay. So um, it is it is cohort based. If they need to switch times, they can switch to a different class. But the idea is that you build this kind of support group um, that, and you go through the program together over the course yeah. of a year. Do the yeah. participants get to interact with each other? Like, is there a forum or something like that? Or are they just all they're They're seeing each other at the, at the classes or at the sessions. Yeah. Well, the sessions are very interactive. The dietitians okay. are supposed to be doing a very minimal amount of talking. I mean, they introduce the topic for the week. So one week it might be diet, another week exercise. So the participants are doing a lot of talking on the, um, the group calls, but there's also a group chat in the fruit street app and web portal where they are talking to each other throughout the week as well. Um, and the dietitian is kind of facilitating that text chat throughout the week. So there is both synchronous and asynchronous, um, you know, communication between the participants as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I guess you, you said 45,000 people, like what, what is the, I guess the engagement rate is, and it sounds like it's been really high. Um, what about completion rates? Have y'all gotten some cohorts through, like how does the virtual management compare to traditional management as far as the, uh, like the outcomes, like successful completion rates of the program and, and the 5% weight loss and all that? Yeah, well, the CDC runs something called the Diabetes Prevention Recognition Program that includes both in-person and digital programs. And, uh, you know, in-person and digital programs have both been proven to be able to achieve the same outcomes. Um, okay. And so the CDC, from a scientific perspective, does recognize both delivery formats as being valid. Um, what Fruit Street does is a little bit different from our competitors is we have live classes. So we're called the distance learning program versus some of our competitors like Omada Health or Lark or Noom. They're classified as an online program, which means they have more of these like recorded uh, like on-demand sessions or something. Yeah, yeah, which it could be better for people that have a busy schedule. Um, but on the other hand, Fruit Street might be better for some people. It depends on their their preferences. Um, you know, we've we've seen things like one in three people that attend the first class is 5% of their weight. Uh, for example, naturally you do have a, um, a drop off in lifestyle change programs, even if it was the best in the world, because yeah. it's just the nature of it's these hard. programs. So, <laughs> so that's why we have a, um, a milestone based payment model, which is that to say that we get paid as people progress through the program, we get a payment when they sign up, when they attend classes with the dietitian and when they lose weight and that makes the payers more comfortable with paying for a lifestyle intervention because they know that um, they're only paying for people that are actually participating in the program as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, how about uh, cost savings and and the like? I'm assuming maybe for, well, obviously for the, for the participants, they're not having to pay for gas, pay for parking, all of that. What about on the payer side of things? Like, is there um, nope. some sort of so cost savings to be, to be made there from the, from the, prevention program being done virtually or is it all those those long tail benefits like this these people potentially aren't going to get type 2 diabetes and all of the you know associated healthcare costs is going to come because of that yeah well um if someone progresses to type 2 diabetes they would have um about ninety six hundred dollars of increased healthcare costs 
per year. And so, um, (laughs) you know, if you only have to pay $400 for an intervention that reduces their risk by 58%, um, you know, you save a lot of money. Um, There was one study done with Medicare where um, for about a $500 investment, Medicare could save $2,650 within a 15-month period. So you can get the um, return on investment pretty quickly. Um, but, um, you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, that part of it actually happens pretty quick. That's pretty quick for return on investment. Yeah. But for other people, it might take five or 10 years to see that cost savings uh, because it's something that develops over time. Someone could be in the pre-diabetic state for five years before they progress to type two diabetes. But imagine if somebody has to get an amputation or they go on dialysis or they have yeah. a stroke, it becomes quite, quite expensive. Yeah. Are you finding that the the conversations you're having with potential um, client organizations like are going pretty smoothly because of that? I mean, it seems like pretty stark numbers and pretty it's a pretty easy value proposition. Are you getting much pushback? Is there some resistance or is it like what are, what are those conversations looking like? Yeah, I mean, um, it depends on the employer. We've had very large customers like Walgreens and Delta Airlines as as customers and they have such big populations that they're almost more progressive, right? Because they have so many, they have such a big incentive financially to prevent diabetes. Um, We also have uh, worked with health plans like Care First, Blue Cross Blue Shield before. Um, You know, I think that during the pandemic, actually the employers and payers were so focused on COVID that they almost, it's like diabetes was not the main priority because they were in like a sensitive emergency. But I think now what's happened is that the pandemic's died down and um, people have realized that one of the main reasons we had such a high mortality rate in the U.S. from COVID was because of obesity and diabetes. Yeah, people and people healthy, also, yeah. and also people gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. And, and now we have more remote workforces. So we need solutions like telehealth to be able to manage them. So I've seen more of a shift back into a focus on wellness and prevention now that COVID has um, died down a bit. Yeah, so. no, that's awesome. Um Anything else around about this type of uh, program that you would want listeners to know? Like, um, I mean, I guess main points, takeaways, things like that. Well, we've added some new features recently. We have an integration with LabCorp now where someone can sign up and get an A1C test um, when they enroll. So we're starting to uh, recommend that we track A1C outcomes to the payers. Uh, There's another partner we've added called Modify Health, which has medically tailored meals um, yeah. as well that are designed to improve health outcomes. And that's actually reimbursed through the California Medicaid program as well. Um, but, you know, really it's just uh, the biggest challenge of a product like this is sales and marketing. It makes perfect sense from a product standpoint. It's like, well, why wouldn't you want to prevent diabetes and reduce healthcare costs? But you have to get the payers, you know, on board with it. And so there's a lot of um, effort being put into that by the government. We were invited to the White House nutrition conference they had last year, which they had for the first time in 50 years. And it was actually refreshing to see a lot of um, senators and government officials promoting lifestyle-related interventions and really reviewing it as a government problem because at the end of the day, yeah, it kind of is. The pay, you know, Medicare and Medicaid are paying for it. Um, I got a cool photo with uh, Senator Cory Booker at the conference that he was very passionate about pre-diabetes, but. you know, I think the government's taking notice of of the importance of addressing diet-related disease. It's a huge problem in the U.S. right yeah. now. Are y'all doing a lot with your, like your own data? I talk a lot about um, like the value in some of these tech-driven enterprises, specifically in the healthcare space, is just 
the data that we've been collecting for years now we actually have a way to use it and to show ROI and to show the value there like are y'all in the middle of uh, not call it like peer reviewed research but are y'all analyzing y'all's data trying to figure that out and then presenting that to potential customers and payers or um what are y'all doing with all that we have had uh, payers like here first look at their claims data and show um, improvements in people that participate in our program. But I think one of the uh, challenges of the digital health industry is that sometimes we have to keep reproving the same thing over and over and over. Uh -huh. um, you know, you know, like I was uh, invited by the CDC to participate in their um, lifestyle. I think it's called the uh, Lifestyle uh, Change Intervention Research Network, LISTERN. And we were just talking about it in the meeting about how we already had like a huge clinical trial done, you know, which granted was an in-person program, but it's the same intervention, right? And so I think like it's been well-established through hundreds of papers now that if we can help people live a healthier lifestyle and prevent diabetes, then it's gonna save healthcare costs. Um, but it's for some reason a bit different for payers to grasp yeah. compared to like a pharmaceutical drug or a vaccine where it's just, you know, it's easier to maintain the fidelity of the intervention when it's a vaccine or a pharmaceutical compared yeah. to a lifestyle um, program. So implementing these programs is a bit harder, but um, but yeah, we have done some analysis on our product specifically, but I think it's also important to point out the, the mountains of data behind lifestyle interventions exactly. really already there. Yeah. You know? Well, how much so. of that too is like, it, like you said, like it's easier to be like, I have this pill and if you give your people this pill, they're going to be fine versus like, we got to change the way they're, they're exercising or, you know, eating or, and all of that. It's just, it seems, it's a bigger, it's a taller lift, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think that's why the CD has, CDC has this diabetes prevention recognition program where we have to report our outcomes data every six months and we have to meet certain, you know, standards. Um, I think they're trying to have that program to say to payers like, hey, these are high quality programs yeah, that adhere to CDC scientific, you know, standards as well. Yeah. Awesome. Cool deal. Well, Lawrence, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, if if people want to learn more about you, about Fruit Street, um, where can they do all that? Connect with you and, and learn more. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can just go to fruitstreet.com and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Lawrence Gerard, and uh, happy to connect with you there. But uh, thanks for having us on the show and um, we appreciate you know the work you're doing as well. Yeah. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll link to all that in the show notes. So go check them out. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lawrence Gerard talking about delivering CDC, uh, the CDC Diabetes Prevention Program via telehealth. I think one of the things, first of all, correction, I misspoke at the intro. It's actually one in three Americans. So 30% of Americans are pre-diabetic and up to 70% of that 30%. So of the one in three Americans, 70% of them are going to go on potentially to develop type 2 diabetes, which is just a staggering statistic. Um, it's just staggering. So anyways, um, wanted to clarify that. One of the things that, I'm, that I was thinking after listening through the, the conversation again was just the value that clinicians provide. I've always said this. The value that clinicians provide is not so much our technical skills. I come from the orthopedic and the musculoskeletal world, so physical rehabilitation and the like. So when you bring up this idea of what, what's the value that you bring to the table, I've been in multiple continuing education conferences and uh, seminars 
where people talk a lot about the technical skills, the exercises we can give somebody, the manual therapy, the myofascial release, whatever it is, the manipulation, the mobilization. And the reality is that that treatment is valuable. It's just not the most valuable thing that we do. In fact, even the literature bears that out, that a lot of those passive treatments, these technical skills where the, the patient is pass, a passive recipient of the services you provide or the treatment that you're, the technique that you're delivering are effective in the short term. They might reduce pain in the very, you know, in the, in the very immediate time frame, but long term, they are not effective. So what that means is that, yes, the technical skills are important. We want to use those at the beginning, um, but the long-term value comes from self-management, from getting the, from basically empowering or enabling the patient by providing and educating, giving them the skills and the tools they need to manage their own symptoms, their own diagnoses, their own whatever um, in the long-term. And that involves things like lifestyle modification, habit forming, uh, all of all of those good things that you know, Lawrence was talking about, like it's much easier and we as a culture, it's very we want that magic pill, right? It's it's easier to sell somebody, here is the pill that you take and you'll be healthy, you'll be fit, you'll be wonderful, you'll never have pain again and you won't have diabetes versus Listen, this is a big, uh, potentially a big health risk, and here's what we've got to do. We've got to change the way you're eating, or we've got to change your activity level, or um, the way you structure your daily routine so you, that we decrease these risk factors. However, in the long run, those hard things are what causes and what has the better chance of improving and preventing those negative outcomes down the line. So it's one of those, it's a catch-22, right? We live in a world that really wants the, the quick, easy fix-it, um, but the quick, easy fix-it doesn't necessarily provide the long-term benefit. So when it comes to delivering these types of services, there is a big piece of that treatment or of that service that requires education on the part of the clinician delivering that program, for example, to this per, this patient that or this customer or client that is at risk for this uh, chronic condition, some knowledge translation needs to take place, some education, some training, and really that only is is super effective or really effective when there is a, a relationship there, a, an established relationship of trust. So even though it's being delivered via telehealth, I, I wrote this couple years ago in, um, I think the, the white paper that's on the website, rehabupracticesolutions.com, is something like telehealth and the future of healthcare. And the main point that I wrote or that I wanted to get across in that white paper was that just because you're not in the same room as the patient or the client does not mean you are unable to effectively form trust-based relationships that you can leverage on behalf of that client or patient to help them achieve whatever desired outcome they're looking for. Um, and that is a big piece in all of these programs, whether it be in person, whether it be via telehealth like Fruit Street is doing. We need to fundamentally understand that what we are doing is not giving a magic pill to a patient. We are involved in a real behavioral change and lifestyle change. And that takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort, it takes coaching, support, and mentorship. 
it's not just one of those one and done type things. And the the organizations that that do it well, that have good outcomes, if you survey they pay their patients, I'm totally taking a stab at the dark here, but I would assume if you survey those patients or if you were maybe to give their patients something like a care measure or care survey, which is a validated um, assessment tool, after their interactions or after their course of care with that organization, they would rate very high on that that care and empathetic relationship scale because in order to get or to successfully get a patient or a client to buy into some of those lifestyle changes, sure, they might be self-motivated to do it if they've had a health scare or maybe they're, you know, they've seen family members go through and they don't want to to end up in those same shoes. A lot of times though, because of the way humans are built um, and it's easy to fall back into those old habits, we really do need a, a coach in the corner, uh, somebody that's that's going to root for us, is going to provide us the information, somebody that we can trust to take on those sometimes um, very intimidating lifestyle changes. You know, if I was to tell you that you need to change your entire diet right now, that sounds like a big ask. But if we do things right, if we do incremental steps, um, you know, the, the whole idea of um, tiny habits over and over again, that only in my opinion, really only happens once the relationship is established and that relationship doesn't necessarily need to be completed only in person, right? It can be done via telehealth. So um, I think it's I think it's great what they're doing. I also think the idea of begin, getting payers and stakeholders to begin paying for these types of services before the patient becomes diabetic or, or obtains that or, or gets classified as having this chronic condition is going to be one of those things that we see over the next several years that becomes more popular. Because again, the cost benefit uh, ratio and analysis very much plays in the favor of preventing some of these diseases. So hopefully over time, we'll begin to see that being incorporated as a, just a standard benefit in some of these plans. So anyways, that's all I've got for now. Um, if you like the show, um, normally I ask for rating or review, but I'm, I'm on a new kick. Share it with somebody that you might think would find it interesting. That's how you can help the show. And hopefully that will lead to more ratings and reviews and subscribers. Um, if you want, uh, if you run an, an innovative healthcare organization and you are looking for assistance in positioning your service offering or in market penetration, um, head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com. I'd love to have a conversation with you and see if there's a way that I can help. In the uh, interim, between now and the next episode, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.